This episode is brought to you by Logos Online. To find out more, please visit LogosOnlineSchool.com. Cross-Politic begins in 3, 2, 1. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start it. Sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the Spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Boy, we got a good show coming to you. We got Jonathan Bach coming on uh, in our interview. He wrote a book called The Way Back. Uh, movie, movie marketer, professional, elder at the church brings religion to Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, or something like that. Yes. Yeah. And then we also, as you can see on your camera, we have Pastor Doug Wilson in the studio. Thanks for joining us again. Let's get it. Oh. There's cam- there's cameras. Yes. There yes. Everybody saw that. Everybody. I saw you bumping your shoulders a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. That was that was Ivy Connerly, wasn't at, it? At the end. At the was, end. Yeah. At the end. Not, oh not the... wow! I didn't know anything about that. Doc. Yeah. Just yeah, so yeah, you know, right. for the record. Thanks, Toby. You're I'm, my friend. <laughs> I was not part of that. You'll hear it again. I'll give you the opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll play that in the third segment. We'll bring him in the third segment. Of that. Uh, a couple things before we get started here. First is um, we, we're going to be live on Brio TV here, hopefully in, coming in a couple of weeks. We signed a contract with Brio TV. What? Excited about that. So um, Ben Kinchlow, if you guys know Ben, he's actually been on our show before. He's, st- right. he's one of the co-founders of Brio TV and uh, excited to be um, on that TV platform. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, uh, secondly. Are you going to have to pick up around here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, David, David is so good at getting the right shot. Yeah. His angles are amazing. Magic, magic. Oh man. Oh man. So, if we, since you want to go ahead and help us uh, start a new studio, that's right. now's a good time to talk about yeah. club memberships. Doug, Doug, Doug brings a good point to why you guys should sign up for our club membership. Look at this place. Oh man, and related to our club membership, um, if you guys can support us monthly, that's great. We also have a worldview series coming out. Worldview. Shotgun and, and that will be first drop to our club membership, and then we'll open it up to the public for purchase. All members get first dibs, and we're dropping the show, the the shows, the chapters yep. of the worldview series, chapter by chapter. Yep. If you're a member, you get it as it's as it's finished up. We just recorded. We just we just recorded another uh, chapter. Is that against the law? <laughs> not, not, not yet. Not, 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 yeah. yeah. So sign up. Get your friends signed up. Yeah. Get and your neighbors signed up. Go to our website. Yeah. Crosspolitik.com. And if you haven't shared this episode yet, um, hit the share button. Hit it. Or I'm going to keep playing the Dougie song. <laughs> that'll that'll lose. It. We'll lose uh, listeners on that one. Uh, the other thing to point out, uh, also another reason why Doug's in the studio today is we got Grace Agenda Conference coming up. That's April 13th and 14th. I'm so excited about this conference. Enraging the culture. Enraging the culture, which is actually related to our interview coming up also with Jonathan Bach. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll get into more on that. And so, guys, it, the Grace Agenda is free. You like said Grace. That wrong. You said that wrong. What did I say? You said enraging the culture. Yeah, en- oh. enraging it the culture. Shouldn't be engaging the cu- pastor. You got to yeah. work on this, man. Yeah, the little the little um, icon, the graphic we have for it is a guy running off with the G, uh, G <laughs> Grace, having, having painted in an R. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was wrong. A little, little holy vandalism <laughs> going on there. En- enraging culture. It's April thirteenth, fourteenth. It's free conference, so all you have to do is pay to get up here, get yeah. your plane ticket, drive in your car, bring a tent, and yeah, it's it's gonna be great. We got Joe Boot coming and. And Pastor uh, Phil, uh, Philip Elder. Um, oh, um, Peter uh, Jones. Peter Jones. Peter Jones. I don't even, Philip Elder. I don't know. That's my that's my friend down in Kansas. <laughs> I don't know. Random guy. Um, and then lastly, one of the my most favorite projects I'm working on right now is we have this summer worldview conference, uh, worldview camp for ages 14 to 19 year olds uh, called conference. That's July uh, 16th through the 20th. Remember all these dates. 
and that includes uh, Steve Dace, who had a great video plug uh, for us. Uh, yeah, Matt Walsh, good. that was great. Matt Walsh coming up. Pastor Joe Rigney, and of course, Pastor Doug will be there. Uh, Pastor Toby and everything. This is, um, I think, a lot of the Worldview conferences are slipping, and so I'm really excited about being able to um, put this conference on to be able to challenge your kids to become cultural leaders. I mean, that's, Register. that's what happen. Register yeah. your students. Calledconference.ninja. Oh, yeah. Yes. Dot Make ninja. it ninja, Dot ninja. ninja. That's right. Amen. <laughs> you know what? So let's get into um, some cross-politic news now that we're through all those announcements. Man, we're getting more and more announcements every uh, That's a week. good thing. It's good. Okay, I think. Uh, if you guys are following any news recently, um, uh, there was a, well, you just watched the college scene, the university scene. A college student was recently kicked out of class for telling his professor that there were only two genders. This happened at, at University of Indiana in Pennsylvania. So the University of Indiana that's that's in Pennsylvania. You can tell something's wrong with them. <laughs> and so <laughs> they're, they're con- <laughs> confused about everything. <laughs> so the, the professor the professor showed a fifteen minute TED talk about transgendered is by by transgendered um ex pastor Paula Stone Williams. I think we covered Paula Williams on the show before. Oh really? I think did you say pastor and mention a woman's ex, name? Ex pastor. Oh. Ex pastor. <laughs> yeah. And after after she opened up she opened up the discussion to women first, and then no women spoke up. And so the guy raises his hand and and spoke up, and then it just, said something outrageous like, "There's only two genders." There's only two genders, and he wait, said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! You said that she opened up the discussion to women, so only women could yeah, talk only, about it. Only first. women. What's a first. woman?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would have raised my hand and said, I identify as a woman. Yeah. Yes. So I'm speaking. Yes, Can I there do you that? go. Yes. What in the world? Really? Yep. Just going to straight discriminate against men? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's so, bi- that discrimination That's so was binary. Bad. So binary. Mm. All right. Anyway. And so there's, uh, you know, the U of I provost said you're barred from attending this class in accordance with the classroom disruption policy. Wasn't this class a class on Christianity? Yes. Yes. It was a class on Christianity. Yes. In which he had the audacity to say something you know, sort of biblical. Yeah. And he wasn't even, I, I don't even think he was going to the scriptures to defend himself. Yeah. He's just saying biology only gives us. And he's kicked out of class. Yes. For being That's right. disruptive. That's right. At uh, this point, I. Hey, taste me how to duck. Taste me, taste me how to duck. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that, Pastor? About him kicking that, that yeah, guy out? Yeah. You shouldn't have been there in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, how can you, you know, kudos to this guy for saying the right thing and for standing up and all of that. But you you can't be surprised if you go live in the monkey house and they start throwing poo at you. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> How do you feel about that? It's not in your mouth, David. Don't worry. <laughs> they were talking about Christianity. Yeah, yeah, but you're doing it in the monkey house. Uh, All right. Yeah, so, yeah. what we have is this um, our our cult. This current culture has lost its mind. All right, it, yeah. it's just totally lost its mind. Irrational, and, and you can't reason you, you can't reason with them right. and this all goes back to the critical post world war ii critical theory frankfurt school uh, gramsci adorno these guys and the the quintessential characteristic of people who've been in sort of enculturated by this long march through the institutions that gramsci the, this cultural rot mm-hmm. the the principal characteristic that they display and the tactic that they use is rage that, that's what they do. Yeah. That's that's where we get snowflakes. That's that's why if you say anything that has any element of common sense in it at all, like they're men and they're women, they're boys and girls, mm-hmm. and you find yourself expelled, disciplined. Discipline is inescapable. It's not whether, but which. Yeah. Right. It's not whether you discipline. It's not whether you kick people out of class, but it, which it's students. It's which students. Right. Is, yeah. do, you, right. do you kick the student out of class who's a guy who's dressing like a girl? You either kick you either kick him out, right, right. or at some point you're going to do what they did here and kick the person out right. who says something sensible. So the and, and so the problem is is that people are going to these classes and going to these schools thinking that they can actually have a conversation, right? And they're not. They say words like "let's have a conversation," right? But what they right. mean by that is "and do everything that we were planning on doing," and, right. and you listen to me, right? Let's have a conversation, but, and you listen to me. First part is let's have a conversation. Number two is shut up. If you're a Christian, you must shut up. Yeah. If, if you must sit there and take it and be lectured, harangued by us. Right. And if you go expecting reasoned discourse like you might have got, uh, uh, that you might have gotten in 1925 at a secular university, right. yeah. 
uh, you're just going to be sadly disappointed. It, it's right. all, which all is, the wheels are Which wrong. tells you, though, that they're, they're dis, they have a discipleship program going. Absolutely. Right. Oh, so yeah. they're, they are yeah. utterly, buy into it. utterly <laughs> determined to disciple us. Yeah. And they practice church discipline. Oh, <laughs> that's, right. Oh. that's right. That's right. Well, and, and so they're discipling. Well, you guys saw everything that happened down this last week with all these students in high schools nationwide walking out of their classroom in oh, yeah. protest. I didn't see that. Florida, Florida I was shooting. I was in a cabin in Montana. Oh, I, I thought Lord that bless was, you. I just saw a bunch of kids walking. I was like, God, an answer to our prayers and shut down the school. Public school. It's a revival. It's a revival. That's what I thought. I was like, I don't have any problem with them walking out like that. I, my problem is them coming back. <laughs> <laughs> stay out. Stay out. So what do they want? So let me let me play this clip and then we'll get into it. CBS 13, Lamar. Tony Ancherin, Mrs. Benzel, teaches history at Rockland High and tells me it was only appropriate to talk to her class about the politics of organized protests ahead of the school walkout. But she says the school disagreed with her views and told her to stay home this morning. <laughs> I am aghast. Julianne Benzel says she never discouraged her students from participating in national school walkout. But she did question whether it's appropriate for a school to support a protest against gun violence if it's not willing to support all protests. The best example I thought of at the time, if a group of students um, nationwide or even locally decided I want to walk out of school for 17 minutes and go in the quad area and protest abortion. Ooh. Hey! Who did that? She she made the 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 terrible mistake of using logic. Ouch! In a, yes, in a California public school, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, because she thinks that there's a conversation. Yeah, she thinks there's a conversation. That's right. It's a full tilt mm. indoctrination yeah. uh, indoctrination program. Right. right. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Submit. Right. Um, this is there's not a conversation happening, and if you start to have a conversation, you will be sent home. They're practicing discipline again. I'm sorry. Did that happen? Is that a gun? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's chocolate. Oh, that's that's chocolate Knox practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not it was to have only, guns. only over our heads. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. She... But you know, and, and she made the mistake of using the A word and, and abortion, abortion right, connecting. So I, I was actually um, last night while I was watching basketball because it was on. Did What's you know that? that? What's March that? Madness? March Madness? Oh man, we should have plugged that at the beginning of the show too. <laughs> I, was, I was I was praying with my family and discipling them while you were watching and, basketball. And one of my old friends in in New Mexico posted on Facebook. He said um, basically, why are parents discouraging our kids about walking out? They should be in support of of this kind of thing. And I just pulled out the abortion. I said, I said, I'd be far more supportive of this protest if if they were doing this ab- about abortion beforehand first, because that's been going on, sixty million babies and so forth. And and he deleted my comment in his Facebook thread and then messaged me offline saying, "Hey, that was that was not really part of the discussion I was trying to get at." <laughs> right. Let's not have that conversation. Let's not have that conversation. Let's let's not bring up the A word. And then he and then no, offline no. <laughs> and he said, "Next, you're going to bring up Nazi Germany." And he's. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, well, actually, yes. Since you brought that up, <laughs> I actually I think we're worse than Nazi Germany. Right. You know, they killed six million Jews. We killed f- sixty million babies. And absolutely, go ahead. Ch- check your Facebook. You probably just got defriended. Probably. Uh, I'll check it. Yeah. I'll check it. Isn't it unfriended? Yeah. yeah defriended. Yes. Can you get defriended? It's the coffee. <laughs> I've been doing too much coffee. It's, it's good coffee, by the way. So, but <laughs> you this, made this. This teacher at Rockland High um, uh, got put on administrative leave the next day. Right. Um, and she just got a letter from HR. Stay home. Stay home. Don't come. Don't come pay, to school. Paid administratively. But yeah. again, they're practicing discipline. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. The 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 secularists know how to do this a lot better than churches. And she's gonna have to go through some sort of rehab process to get back in the classroom. Right. So rehab. <laughs> she has to love. Teach me how to do it. Teach me. Teach I'm me your music. Hold on. <laughs> All right. So what were you gonna say about this pastor? She has to love Big Brother. Yeah. Mm. Right. She, right. They, they what they're doing is they want our our society. To look like a, a stadium full of applauding North Koreans uh, mm. at the at the missile parade. Yeah, that we're gonna. This is the doctrine. This is the party line. This these are the the tenets you may not disagree with. Yep. You may not even disagree with them in your head. Yep. You've got to you've got to applaud. Yep. And that's what all of these battles have in common: um, bakers and photographers for homosexual yep. weddings. Um, Discussions on college campuses, discussions in high schools, all of them have this one thing in common. Dissent is not allowed. Right. right. Which makes all of the multiculturalism just all that much. That's, that's so hyp- hypocritical. Yeah. yeah. 
It's right. absolute hypocrisy. Multiculturalism to this point. Right. No, yeah. it's, 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 we want everybody, that's the multiculturalism, doing whatever we say. Right. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah. It's like the, what they want is they want to go into a library and they want all the covers of the books to be different colors and the books to be different sizes. But they insist that when you open the book up, they must all say the same thing. So we're post mill. Who's, do, who's doing that? <laughs> have no idea. So we're post mill. I mean, and, and I think a lot of people are saying, look, they're trying to this kid is going to a school university where he is trying to be a Christian in a dark place. This lady, she's teaching at a public school, trying to be a Christian in a dark place so that uh, the gospel can transform that environment. And we're right. a post-mill guy. So, hey, what, is there a better answer then? What's the, what's the best answer we have if we're not there fighting in that environment? All right, great. When people do this, they ought to get the full tilt support of everybody who still, right. um, still is thinking about it. But we shouldn't be surprised. So the, the the problem is not yeah. people standing up. Right. The 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 problem is all the consternation among Christians as though this were unusual. That this is mm-hmm. what has to happen. The right. surprise. Uh, yeah, why why are we surprised? Yeah. Uh right. it's not we can't look back to the good old days when God and the devil got along. <laughs> that that was <laughs> When Jesus and Lucifer were just hanging out. <laughs> right. But, so, well, well, but here's also part of the problem is what is it going to take for Christians to get their kids out of high, uh, public schools in the first place? Like, I remember when prayer was getting, um, you know, kicked out of uh, public school. You remember that? That was back in the 80s. When, I thought it was out. Uh, well, well, it started in 63, oh, okay. but then um, I think it was finally eradicated in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I, and I remember in a, in a government school that I, I went through uh, public schools growing up. I remember praying in yeah. school and yeah. beginning uh, each day, beginning by giving it to God. And, and uh, I, I remember what that was like right. and what the schools were like. But it, it's um, this whole thing has been a slow motion right. uh, train wreck. Exodus. Because uh, uh, Dabney said back in the 19th century, Christian, speaking of government, the, the unstable nature of government schools in the first place, he said, Christians must prepare themselves for the following results. All Bibles, catechisms, and prayers yep. will ultimately be driven out of the schools. Mm. He said that in the 19th century. Yep. And we looked, 1800s if you're in public school. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The big hand is on. Uh, so, so you look back at, at him saying that then. And we look at that statement and say, there used to be catechisms in yeah. the public schools. <laughs> and, and the Bible. That's what and, I was thinking. And the Bibles, catechisms, yeah. and prayers. Yeah. Yeah. And some of us remember the prayers. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, some some people called this a century before it happened. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right? They called it a century before it happened. And now we're acting shocked that, that, it's, happened. that it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we think we're still winning when we're doing see you at the pole, when we're praying around the corner at the edge of campus, see you at the pole once a year. Mm. Right, right. Well, and we're and we're no and we're no good at this conflict. I mean, right. that's yeah. the, and too. That's, I mean, yeah. we, so we keep thinking that there was a time when Jesus and the devil were friends, right? And that there's somehow you can make a deal and you work it out, and then that's how you win. But that's never been the way you win. Yeah. It's always the seed of the woman, seed of the serpent. Right. It's yep. it's conflict. That's right. And it's in that crucible that God is working His will out. When we come back on Cross Politics, the way back how Christians blew our credibility and how we can get it back with Jonathan Bach. More cross politic when we come back. Everybody love me. You ain't messing with my Dougie. I can teach you how to Dougie if it's Doug Wilson. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical Christ-centered curriculum local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical, Christian, get connected, get community. Logos Online School is your affordable partner in classical Christian homeschooling, offering live teacher-led instruction four days a week to students in grades 7 through 12. Our experienced, enthusiastic teachers provide instruction in math, science, literature, history, languages, Bible, apologetics, rhetoric, government, and economics. Find out why more and more Christian homeschoolers are turning to Logos Online School for the education of their children. 
Go to LogosOnlineSchool.com today. Politic, y'all. We are really excited today to have with us Mr. Jonathan Bach. Jonathan Bach is the founder and president of Grace Hill Media. Jonathan Bach has marketed more than 500 major motion pictures and television projects to, a, to Christian audiences wow. worldwide, including titles like The Blind Side, Narnia Films, The Lord of the Rings Trilogy, The Bible Series, Unbroken, Lady Bird, The Conjuring, whoa, Noah. <laughs> Upcoming, actually just released, A Wrinkle in Time, hey. recognized by CNN, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Christianity Today, and ABC News. For his marketing acumen, Bach has been called, quote, Hollywood's go-to marketing executive for faith-infused projects by the Los Angeles Times and, quote, the man who helps Hollywood get religion. So what is he doing here? <laughs> right. How do we, <laughs> we get him on our show? <laughs> wow. By Time Magazine. He produced the film Hillsong, Let Hope Rise, and is an elder at Bel Air Church in Los Angeles, and most recently is co-author of the book, The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Get It Back. Mm. So, Jonathan, welcome to Cross Politic. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So, How Christians Blew Our Credibility. That, uh, that's just what we do. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, well, initially, I was thinking, did we ever have any? Um, but, but, but if so, how do we blow it? Oh, man, where do you start with that? Um, you know, look, I, I think it's a, it's a function that we all, uh, especially as Christians, kind of intrinsically feel, and that is this kind of ebbing away of our influence uh, in culture and the, and the regard and the respect that, that culture, at least American culture, has, has had for, the, for Christianity, for Christians in particular. And uh, it's it, it's something that because of this kind of funny fence that I sit on, in that I I work for Hollywood studios and for networks marketing their content, but it's to a faith audience. So right. because I straddle that fence, I see kind of into into both worlds. And what I see is probably what a lot of people feel is the, a real disconnect between how Christians perceive ourselves and how non-Christians perceive us. So let me give you an example of that. Yeah. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit, which you all know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know right, the list. Right. This is what we're supposed to be known for. These are the things we're supposed to be known for. So I ask you, what of those uh, words would non-Christians use to describe the Christian community? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, I guess, I guess part of me... none. Yeah, well, course. I guess part of me, I'd, I'd push back a little bit, and, like, why would we think that non-Christians would be able to describe Christians accurately in the first place? Well, I, I, w I would say that these are the... <clears throat> This is what they're supposed to be seeing coming out of us, that we're, we're supposed to be joyful and we're supposed to be patient and sure. kind and good, that these are the things that th – this is the, the bearing fruit that we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. And because they use none of those words to describe us that way, I would say they're not seeing that fruit at all. And I guess would the Sanhedrin describe that about Jesus? Right. I was, I was thinking the same thing. Like as you were talking, I mean, I, I was you know, a little bit joking when I started the, the, the question, you know, did we ever have credibility? <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of somebody like the Apostle Paul, who's going around the Roman Empire preaching, and we might ask the same question. I mean, um, was he known by the fruits of the Spirit? I, I would want to say yes and no, and maybe in the same way even today. So, I mean, you ask my neighbor, I think my neighbor would probably say that I'm I'm loving and joyful, but there might be certain people out there, you put the microphone in front of their mouths, and they're going to say, man, Toby, he's such a hater. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think Planned Parenthood would describe us as loving, right? right? I mean, is it is it always going to be sort of both and though, Jonathan? Um, perhaps. And and look, the the reality of it is is that um, you know Christians are, do amazing things, um, you know, on a localized basis and around the globe, and that's 
that's just a fact. Yeah. So probably the answer is that, but for Phil Cook and myself, who are both media and marketing guys, we looked at this and said, okay, <clears throat> Christianity has a PR problem. Yeah. And what can we do about this? So this became, uh, we've been friends, Phil and I, as my co-author, right. uh, for you know, the better part of 15 years, and this is a, a, a constant uh, conversation uh, between us. And so ultimately we decided to write a book about it and say, all right, let, let's see what we can do um, as guys who do this for a living to address that. And the longer we wrote the book with this lens of, oh, it's a PR problem, we keep point, painting ourselves into corners, things like that, um, the longer we wrote it, the more we realized is that it just didn't feel like that was the problem right? and that it, it was, it was something deeper. So we, we decided to take a step back and say, okay, well, let's look at Christian behavior and, and base it on that. So, you know, I'm, I'm a movie marketer. If you ask Americans, do you like movies? 99% of people say, yeah, I like movies. Well, that's not helpful to a movie marketer because I can't <laughs> right. market to 99% of right. the people. I need to market to people who actually show up to movie theaters at least once a month. Right. That's a behavior that is you actually go to the movies, and that's what I'm looking for. So we kind of took that approach and said, let's go to the biggest researchers out there. Let's go to look at Gallup and let's look at uh, Barna and let's look at Pew and, and let's look at Lifeway Research. Let's, let's see what they have found about um, Christian behavior. And what we found was just frankly really shocking to us. So depending on who the researcher is and the kind of question they ask, really about uh, 70 to 80 percent of the country classifies themselves as some sort of Christian. Christian. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But you start to dial into those numbers and really it's about 20% who show up on a weekly basis. 20% right. of Americans who are showing up on a weekly basis to church. The new rule of thumb for churches of what defines a regular is three out of every eight Sundays or 19 whole times a year wow. makes you a regular in church. <laughs> what? And that's how that, that's how that definition, that's how the definition is now being defined. Wow. That's correct. Wow. That, yeah. that makes you a regular now. <laughs> um, the guys at Lifeway Research found, and, and by the way, this is, this is Lifeway, right? I mean, yeah. right. <laughs> th they want these numbers to be as terrific as possible. Right. They found that of, of those regulars who are going to church, 40% of them rarely or never open the Bible. Yeah. Like wow. never. <laughs> yeah. At all. That's not the Christmas and Easter Christians. That's the people who are regulars. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then of those, in terms of tithing, uh, again, Christians who are regularly in church, only 10% are giving 10%. Right. So you start right. to look at these uh, incredible and depressing statistics. And you realize that all of the things that non-Christians say about us, we're hypocritical, we're phony, all of those kinds of things, ooh, maybe, maybe it's true, yeah. right? The stats bear it out that that's a real problem. But I'll jump in here with a question. Uh, this, this is Doug. Sure. Um, so looking at those stats, I would say as a preacher, as a pastor— that we've got a problem with people who call themselves Christians. Um, but do we really have a problem with people who are serious about their faith? So, you know, who attend regular, you know, attend regularly, biblically defined and that sort of thing, read their Bibles. And right. So, well, I mean, and so <laughs> I would say we have a problem, right? Because it, it, again, taking out the Christmas and Easter Christians, these, a lot of these stats are regular attenders. So if a regular attender, if, if 40% of the regular attenders at your church rarely or never open the Bible, would you say that's a problem? I would say that's a problem. Yeah, sure. But he, here's, the, here's the illustration. I remember years ago I was at a conference, um, and I was, there's a figure floating out there. I think it came from Gallup originally that, that the divorce rates among Christians were comparable or perhaps even worse than non-Christians. Uh, non like one out of every two people get divorced and— and uh, I was speaking on something, I forget what it was, but I got to preaching and, and threw that in there. And 
the guy I was doing the conference with, a, a Presbyterian pastor in Tacoma named Rob Rayburn, um, very graciously challenged me after the fact and said, you know, uh, the, all, all the weddings I've done that I've performed, it's not even close to that. It's, and and that, sh- that shook me. And I, I went back and I, I looked at all the uh, weddings that I'd officiated at, um, and less than 5% had ended in divorce. So in, in Christian circles where people are serious about church discipline, serious about doing what the Bible says, serious about regularly attending, um, in other words, the kind of person that the non-Christian in a neighborhood would say, that guy's a Jesus freak. That's the, re- <laughs> yeah. that's the real one. Do those people have credibility problems? Well, I, 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 here's how I put it to you. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, several years ago, um, Major League Baseball had a steroid scandal, right? A PED scandal. Right. right. And uh, so if you look at that, it, it, it was only really a minority of the players who were using any sort of performance-enhancing drugs. But it tarred everybody. It tarred the entire game, okay? Yeah, right. And it, it tarred every single player, and it tarred every single uh, statistic that came out of that era. Right. And you have listeners out there, and you have parishioners at your church. Of course they're showing up weekly. Of course they're in their Bible all the time. Uh, you know, of course they're, they're praying and they're, they're doing missionary work and God bless them for sure. Thank God they're doing that stuff. But there's such a huge number of people who are also sitting in those pews with them who aren't doing any of those things. And they're doing great damage to the ministry and mission of those people who are sitting there. So should we and ex- to the non-Christian world, We've become the fat guy at the gym lecturing other people about good health. Hey, you're, you're being offensive we, right we, now. <laughs> <laughs> what you just, did you say? You just offended You just Knox. offended me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I forgot. <laughs> so so, so um, just kind of pushing this ball down a little further down the court uh, – what you, is it then that we have lost? You're supposed I, to dribble it, not push it. <laughs> First of all, I, I did that because Gabe is watching March Madness. <laughs> They've and been I making knew fun that. of my March Madness all day. <laughs> Dribbling the ball down the goalpost. Um, <laughs> what is it then that we've lost? What have we? What have we lost in? And what you say has been our hypocrisy in, in this in this conversation? Well, I, I think that what we have lost is uh, the respect of. Uh, and the trust of non-Christians, that it used to be that they would look at the Christian community and, and, and see uh, an idealized way to live, uh, people who were good people doing good things. And I think that's largely gone. Hmm. So it, if, it seems to me, just graphing this out on the, on the uh, whiteboard, there's two ways to address it. I think you're exactly right about the nominalism and the deadwood and the just even among the regulars, there are a lot of people coasting. So it seems that for a solution, you either have to have a massive reformation and revival that that brings these dead churches to life or large portions of uh, church to life. You have to have a revival or there has to be some sort of the evangelical church policing its own um, uh, conducting church discipline, addressing doctrinal and moral problems, not letting pe- not letting them get away with it, demanding demanding more. Is that? Do you see any third option? Anything beyond that? No, I don't. I mean, I think we need to be really honest. Um, and I, and part of the reason we wrote this book is to really get to the bottom of of the issues. Is is being really honest with our congregation about. Uh, about who we are. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in this country and a lot of Christians in this country who look at America and say, it's a Christian nation. Well, you know, 20% of people going to church is not uh, a Christian nation make. I mean, 20% of this country uh, jogs, would you call this a jogging nation? I would not. (laughs) And so I think it starts with being very honest uh, about, who we are, and then we we gotta we gotta put in the hard work. We're yeah. not putting in the hard work 
Um, you know, working out is, is hard and wearing yoga pants is easy. And there's a lot of Christians out there. Wait, for me, I, mean, I, I would call us a yoga pants nation. Though. <laughs> I only wear mine in the house. So, uh, <laughs> well, and, and, um, so I, when I read through your book, I found myself like in, in agreement on a lot of, I think some of the surface things that you're getting at, but then I would, I would keep thinking in the back of my mind, I, I think, um, how we got here was I think maybe even deeper than what I was kind of seeing in, in the way back, how we got here. I, to me was, well, um, the church has sin in grievous ways. I mean, church leadership has, I mean, how many pastors do you know that have slept with the secretary, you know, judgment begins in the house of God. How many, um, yeah. you know, pastors do you know, have unfaithful children who've grown up in the church and are still preaching. I mean, how many churches do you know that have women in leadership? women as elders that just we just disregard the word of god and it's plain speaking you know and and so and i was like i, I, was, I was looking on your church's website and i think you have uh, four or five women elders in your church and when we just um outright reject basic scripture it's like of course god's not going to bless us of course we're going to lose respect and influence and we're uh, going to have all these problems credibility problems credibility problems because we and we don't even have the same basic convictions the bible puts forward in us so yeah um any any you know kind of it's kind of sort of a question but kind of laying out my view of like judgment begins in the house of god and we have churches that just outright don't just, do, don't disobey do yeah yeah what what we really got to the bottom of with our um research um was again we we started out with the Christianity has a PR problem, and what we really ended up at is we have a sales force problem. We have a group of people who simply just don't believe in our own product yeah. is what it really comes down to. And it's no different than going to uh, a meeting at, say, Coca-Cola, and 75% of the people around the table are drinking Pepsi. Yeah. What would you think about Coca-Cola? Right. Pepsi's and better? That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So ultimately, if, I mean, it seems like and I, I'll, I'll confess to you, I've not read the book yet. So I'm, I'm one of the, uh, you know, people that you know you're pitching it to. But um, uh, the, it seems like the, there's a gospel. Pro- I mean, ultimately, we have a heart problem because what people do is is based on what they are. Jesus says that you know a tree by its fruit, mm. and so uh, uh, you know a, a bramble bush can't make grapes. A grape, you know, grape tree can't make doesn't produce brambles. Jesus says you 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 do what you are. And so if, yeah. if we have a doing problem, it seems like fundamentally we have a being problem. We mm-hmm. have a problem with, we have, we have dead hearts, which don't work out, um, our salvation. Is, is that, is that what you're getting at? Well, what the, the, the realization that we had when we were writing this book is when, when you look at, um, idol worship, we, we tend to look at that, uh, as, uh, a dead problem, right? An Israelite problem, right? right? Um, it's 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 in the past. It's in uh, history, um, kind of like leeching is. Right? Right. <laughs> Not really something that's practiced much anymore. <laughs> but what Phil and I realized is that uh, the truth of the matter is is that American Christians are the most sophisticated idol makers in mm. the history of the world. Because yep. what we did is that we just made an idol that looks like God, that has the veneer of God. Mm. But he's, he's fine with me not going to church uh, except 19 times a year, and he's fine with me not tithing, and he's okay with not, me not reading the Bible. And he's okay that, that we divorce at the same rate or that you know I'm, I'm uh, cheating on my wife because I'm not fulfilled. And essentially what we've done is we have we've created an idol that um, conforms to our view of the world instead of conforming our world to God. And so we, for a long time, we thought about calling this book That Other God, yeah. but we ultimately ended up with a different, oh, different title. Yeah, I like that. So, so let's put some legs on this basketball and kick it through the goalpost. Um, <laughs> I am so unhappy right now. <laughs> but just, just shortly, I really want to get practically, like, well, how, does, how do we work out getting back? How do we do that? So I understand that we have an idol problem. I understand that, we, okay, we need to, honestly, we need revival. But, but in some of the things that we lost in your book, you were kind of getting that, look, Christians, if we did more of acting like Christians in the world, we would make the gospel more attractive to people. 
And so I just kind of want to know, like, how, so how does that work out practically when it comes to uh, abortion, for instance? Yeah. Well, what we did was we wanted to go back and say, all right, well, we, we have, as Christians, we have a, when we kind of get off course, we have a great model, and that is the early church, right? And, um, uh, you know, when, when, when Jesus departed from the Mount of Olives and left the, the disciples standing there, those guys had nothing. They had nothing. They yeah. had uh, very little in the way of education, no money, no power, no political influence. Um, they didn't even have a plan, <laughs> right? I mean, they, and they stood there so long that finally two angels had to come and say, come on, fellas, get moving. You know? <laughs> what are you staring at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get to it. And in 200 years, they went from nothing to being one of the most influential um, forces within Western uh, civilization. Right. So how do you go from absolute zero to um, having so much influence and so much transformation happening that Christianity becomes the dominant religion of the Roman Empire and then the Western world? Give it, to, it seems to me, that, if I could jump in here, that it seems to me that the thing that happened there was uh, spirit, led spirit guided confrontation so when you 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 can't address Id- idolatry without confronting the idols mm. gideon winds up he his um he opens the festivities by tearing down the the idol right. in front of his father's house uh, the early christians were confronting the idol of rome the idol of caesar paul, the, paul started a riot in almost every city he went to right so <laughs> Um, yeah. it, going back to your initial question on the fruit of the spirit, the one thing that occurred to me, and I don't, I think your point stands because it's, I don't think this is a good thing. But if you said what, what uh, fruit of the spirit it, do people associate with uh, Christians? I would say gentleness. We we are not confrontational mm. at at all. Mm. So um, we can, you know, if something is done or said that reflects on the Muslims, they tear, you know, they'll tear a place down. Do you remember when the, uh, you know, the Piss Christ uh, yeah. exhibit happened? Do you remember when all the Christians rioted in Des Moines? Uh, well, <laughs> on the blockosphere. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I don't remember it because it doesn't happen. So Christians are are very gentle, accommodating. We have a kick me sign on the on the you know tape to our back, and it's not. I'm not talking about our own personal privileges. I'm talking about a confrontation of the lordship of Christ over against mammon, over against the idols, uh, over against yeah. the idols. Right. Right. So it's, it's, yeah. and, and evangelicals are conflict averse. If someone starts a thing, if right. there's a big controversy that, that in the name of Christ, that person is going to be in trouble with the Christians, not the person on the other side. Mm. See, I, I would say that non-Christians see us as angry. Mm. because um, our faith is now synonymous with a political party. And so they look at this through the lens of politics. And, uh, you know, politics is very confrontational. And um, so even look, like me from as a marketing guy, if, if we as Christians view, um, have, have a desire for Jesus to be for all people and for people to, discover who he is and then have a relationship with him by aligning ourselves with a political party. Instantly we cut off 50% of this country. Who's just, who, who then sees Christianity as synonymous with Republicanism. And, um, and that has largely happened. So I, I, I guess I disagree with you because I think most people who are non-Christians are only now seeing us through the lens of politics. But how could, for example, how could we challenge the idol of um, abortion on demand, which is one of the chief idols? I don't see any possible way for us to confront that idol without people saying, well, see, there you go. You're being a Republican again. Yeah. Well, that's <clears throat> that's part of the problem, though, is is that we probably – uh, need to distance ourselves from either political party and be political free agents. Now, of course, that's a really, it's a, it's a tricky line, of course, because we live in a binary society, political culture, yeah. right? We don't, we're not Germany where there's, you know, 11 political parties. We, 
we have two. And so you, mm. you, you hold your nose and pick one or you pick the other. Right. Well, and and um, I'm a, I don't know about these other guys, but I'm not a Republican. I'm an right. Um, Get the mic off this dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 only, I only registered to, for a Republican one time. It was to vote in a, a primary. I'm black. It's not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, hey, Jonathan, I'm sorry, man. I would love to talk to you more. I think we need to have you back on the show. I'd love to work out some of these things practically. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think this it's great. Good conversation. The way back, how Christians blew our credibility and how to get it back. Jonathan Bach. Hey, appreciate you having me on the show. More Cross Politics when we come back. I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. For more information, visit us online at nsa.edu. Oh, see, now you're moving. There, there you go. go. That's, it. That's the music. Well, this is actual good music. Oh. <laughs> Let's try this. I'm merging together. <laughs> Welcome back to Cross Politic. And I'm very sorry. I'm very, very sorry. Very, 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 very sorry. This, this segment be- is brought to you by Ivy Connerly. <laughs> Go get that song, Theology Nerd. We have been uh, really grateful to have Pastor Douglas Wilson with us. He's the pastor of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho, founding board member of Logos School, senior fellow of theology at New St. Andrews College, serves as an instructor at Greyfriars Hall which is our ministerial training program at Christ Church. He helped establish the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. He is the author of a bazillion books. Mm. And got a bunch on the way, too, right? Yeah, kind of. Kind of? Gabe, what's your favorite Doug book? Oh, man, I was thinking about this, and I couldn't. I had to think of like, a couple. This is your idea, man. I know, I know. This is totally, this is totally bad. I brought this idea up. Uh, well, Federal Husband and, and Future Men were the ones that, stop, that, that came off the top of my head. And then I got... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chuck? Oh, my favorite book. Um, oh, it has to be the one that started all this for me. Probably um, a primer on worship, worship primer. That was the one that started that was all this one, for you? Everything, yep. So I'd heard plenty of your sermons, and uh, but that book laid out a format for church and fellowship and what I thought a Christian environment should look like um, based on scripture. And I was like, where is this? Right. Does that exist on planet Earth? Right. Because um, I was not getting that. And so there was, yeah, that was right. that book. Yeah, I was gonna say Federal Husband. You kind of stole that one, but um, I don't like any of those books. I'm gonna tell you right now. <laughs> they they're me. Oh, they are me. Everybody's like, oh, it's a great book. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. no. Um, somebody got to die after mean, reading that book. They're mean books. They're mean. Get them. Re- Get all of them. Mean, Recovering the mean marriage books. Yeah. <laughs> Recovering the lost tools of learning. Yes. Um, and uh, the case for classical, classical Christian, Christian education. education, I think, is another one. Those are on uh, Christian education. Um, those are um really important too. And um, yeah, how come you get two, three? How- I, I would just those are not my favorite. Is anybody just- seeing a minority issue happening here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not you get one. We're just using I our privilege. Two. So, um, <laughs> so Doug, um, what do you think about uh, Mr. Bach? Ah, so mm. here's here's a. a I, think I mean, we this- haven't you know all had digested all of it and, you know, yeah, yeah. i'm sure we have a great conversation with him but just sure this is the the thing reformations i think he's absolutely right about the need for reformation the need for revival we got a problem that we have a problem yeah we need to up our game there there does need to be a way back all of it so i think a plus for all those points that he, he made right the difficulty is that i don't know of a reformation in history that has ever occurred to the background noise of polite golf applause. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. 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 Mm. I got all kinds uh, of buttons. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know of any reformations that has that kind of music in the background. Oh, either. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're about to have one today. <laughs> uh, right. So basically, Jesus says, whenever when everybody thinks you're doing great, when all men speak of well of you, Jesus said, you, "Beware." Whoa. Whoa. That's how they. That's how they. Um, uh, spoke of the false prophets. Right. So when you it, don't have a credibility problem, right? When you don't have a credibility, watch out. The, yeah, there's two. There's two kinds of credibility problems. There's the credibility problem that you have because you're listening to the devil, and there's also the credibility problem you have because you're listening to God. Right. Right. right? right. So uh, the first thing we have to do is distinguish um, what. what what is the nature of our current credibility yeah, problem? Whose credibility? Whose credibility? And I, I would look at the church at large and say, uh, I think he's right in his book that a um, big portion of the professing Christian church has Our, the wrong kind of credibility problem. I think he's right about that. They're posers. We really do have a hypocrisy problem. Yeah. We, we really do, and I think he's right about that. But the difficulty is as soon as you tag it like that, and you're if you're a marketing guy, you're going to think in terms of, how can we get people? To, how can we rebrand right. evangelical we want, we Christianity? Think, we think the solution to our credibility problem is to please men, to make yeah. it palatable, yeah. Yeah. tasteful. We want what we want to do is we want to restore credibility instead of moving from the wrong kind of uh, oh, credibility yeah. problem yeah. to the right kind of credibility right. problem. Right. There's right. no there's no way out of this until a lot of Christian preachers are resolved before God to stop being respectable. Right. And, and he to, was. Come on. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Give me a second. I was on. processing that. Can I process come for a on. moment? And, and he was. He was arguing. Hey, teach me how to do it. Okay. How about okay. That? okay. There we go. And, and he was. He was arguing basically that we lost our respectability and we need to get it back. I mean, he didn't because you know, he mentioned that at one point. Right. In, 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 in and passing, I, more and passing. I think, but. And I think there's a truth to what he's saying. I mean, there was a time in which there really was a more thoroughly biblical culture in our land yes and and preachers and the church at large were more um feared in, in a good way yeah like, and so th- this is the thing there is such a thing as a good and godly testimony there is such a thing as having a good reputation with outsiders which paul requires of right. christian leaders yeah. there is such a thing as that but the only way to get there is to not care about respectability there's the there's yeah. the kind of respectability that gets there by not caring what they say Right. Um, if you care, if you right. care what they say, they've got you. Right, and, and so and so the same Paul who said that is the guy who's going through the Roman Empire, starting riots right. in every city, right. Right. getting right. kicked out of synagogues, getting arrested. Um, when we were talking to Bach, I was thinking about um, just the the Philippian jailer scene um, in, in Philippi. It seems to be like a, a great picture there of so Paul preaches like the Dickens, gets arrested, mm-hmm. right. And and the Christians, our modern Christians, are like, oh no, oh no, credibility is all blown yep. in Philippi. It's He's all, behind bars. It's all ruined. No one's going to listen to him. They're singing hymns in jail. Yeah. Right. Right. Ta da! Singing hymns in jail, and there's an earthquake. And Paul tells the other prisoners, no, 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 stay here. The jailer shows up, thinks he's toast, and is going to commit suicide on the spot. And Paul yells out, no, 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 don't do it. We're all here. And the Philippian jailer falls down on his knees and says, what must I do to be saved? Wow. Right. Let us go free. He's one of them. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it seems to me that holds together both of these things. Yeah. Absolutely. Where Paul is doing good right. to the jailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about mm-hmm. good works. Mm-hmm. Doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, doing good even to these, you know, these other prisoners and so on. And and this and this whole household is saved because the, the jailer sees there's something different about Paul. Right. Absolutely. I mean, this is no I mean, this is not a normal prisoner. And at the same time, Paul has so he has a you know, good credibility with this guy. Right. And at the same time, the, the next morning, they're going to kick him out of town. They're going right. to say, please leave. We can't deal with you anymore. Right. We can't do this anymore. He's got that other credibility problem, though. It's right. still intact. Right. This is what, I mean, and this is what, and you go back to our conversation earlier about the, the, the kid in the, in the college classroom or the, um, the teacher who, who you know, brings these things up. I mean, this is how the gospel goes forward. Right. You, you run into conflict and it's in the midst of that conflict, we don't say something's gone wrong. We say something's gone right. 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 And that's how then the Lord displays his glory. Right? Yeah. yeah. So so we got this conference coming up. Well, it, I, I was actually, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's fine. Let's talk about the conference. Yeah. Where are we going to go, David? Good. 
So I want to ask Pastor um, the same question that I asked uh, Jonathan, which is, what do we what do we lose? What if we lost anything as Christians? What have we lost? I think we've lost preaching. Right. So how will they hear without a preacher? Mm. How will they believe? Uh, you know, real preaching, real preaching, and pre- and I mean preaching the gospel, not preaching uh, things that are around the gospel or things that are consistent with the gospel. But mm, but preaching center, huh? straight up the middle, uh, uh, come to Jesus. You're a sinner. God is angry with you, and you're, you're, you're in the ah, way you that angry bit. Don't really like that. It's not yeah. really attractive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm talking. I'm I'm sketching this idea of a little uh, fictional um, vignette in my head of a of a prophet. You know, a Flannery O'Connor kind of Arkansas prophet coming out of the. Coming with out with of, one tooth, with one tooth, coming out of the woods and walking into town, and everybody sees he's got something to say, and he he walks to the city center and he stands up on the fountain, and a crowd gathers, and he stands up and he says, "Some of your troubles are at least partly your fault." And <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds more like some of your troubles are partly your fault. <laughs> and the, and the crowd stopped their ears and they rushed upon him um, right. and tore him limb from limb right. because. We we live in a time when nobody wants to accept responsibility right. or their complicity in anything. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. according to Scripture, we're complicit in everything. All of us are complicit right. in everything. And we want to say, no, no, no. I, if I'm a victim or if I'm a survivor or if I'm a minority or if I, you know, right. we, we're all battling for that victim status. And... Uh, that privileged status. Tell and, me about it. And the, and the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will. I'm, 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 I'm trying to. <laughs> but the only the only victim is Jesus. Yeah. The only right victim, the mm. only true victim, the only real victim is Jesus. And, and if if you'd say that, that makes everybody else complicit. Right. All right. That makes everybody else this. Mm. All all sinners are victimizers. All sinners are oppressors. Right. All sinners are part of the establishment. Um, because evil. our sin killed Jesus. Our sin killed right. Jesus. Right. right. So he's the only true victim, and he did it so that we could stop. So that we could stop being victimizers. But we would rather pretend to be victims, like like we were Jesus. And Ooh. you right. just can't. So, well, so why do why are we going to respond with a conference on enraging culture? Because you can't, uh, I, I said earlier that the the um, the the slow slow boil Marxism, that cultural Marxism, that Gramsci ad, advocated, and that um, their long march through the institutions has established this default assumption that you you are not to blame, right? Everything else is to blame. It's the system. It's the system. The yeah. system. Burn the system down. And uh, there was a, a great um, back in Chesterton's day that a newspaper had some uh, series where they asked a bunch of different people to write an essay on what's wrong with the world. Yeah. And Chesterton wrote a two word essay, which was I am <laughs> right. He submitted that yeah. I am. And that is a an inspired Christian response. Yeah. Because um, he was taking responsibility. He was taking responsibility. But we live in a time when. What's wrong with the world? Nine hundred ninety-nine people out of a thousand will say you are right. right? Mm-hmm. Everyone else and everything else. Yeah. Everyone else, everything else, everything but me. All right, I'm the I'm the only innocent uh, one here, yeah. and and I'm not trying to flatten. Uh, you know, there are people who are wronged. There are people who are ripped off. There are right. people who there are, really are people who are mugged and left on the side of Jericho Road. Yeah, that that really happens in the world, and I'm not trying to flatten right. all of those evils that are done. Yeah, right. But I am saying that if you deny the gospel, then you're inviting more and more of that. Right, right. You're just going to get more oppression. You're going to get right. more gulags. You're going to get more death camps. Uh, you can't. You can't have God without Christ, and you can't have Christ unless it's Christ, the victim on the cross. And you can't have Christ, the victim on the cross, without denying that we are victims. Right. We are the problem. We're not the. Right. And and this really does. Go, I mean, this is not even. I mean, it's highlighted in the modern soft Marxism, but this goes all the way back to the garden when Adam said, the woman. Yeah. yeah. It's a natural human. <laughs> Everybody blame, you know, it's the serpent. It was the, I mean, we've been doing this. It's the system. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, and the, cult, and cultural, the cultural Marxists have been pitching 
to our soft spot. Right. Right. They're, they're pitching yeah. it to our lusts. That's right. right. We, we always want, uh, we want to be righteous. So we want to defend ourselves and establish ourselves as righteous. We go right. about to establish our own righteousness. And we, and since we're not righteous, we can only do that by establishing the unrighteousness of another. Right. And, yeah. and so going back to your question, what do we do? We need, we need preachers who are willing to tell people things that will make those people angry. Yeah. That will enrage right. them. That will enrage them. Yeah. Because and and not I'm sorry, be- did you say make the people angry? Yes. <laughs> Everybody love me. You ain't messing with my dougie. <laughs> so I remember let me put it yeah, in, I'll, just, yeah. I'll just put it this way. Yeah, yeah. The in the given the state of the culture today, given the way things are, given the stuff you see on the news, what people get kicked out of college classrooms for, what teachers get suspended for. We look at the fifty 50, 60 million kids aborted. Look at the fact that Planned Parenthood is selling the baby parts and they still get funding. You know, we haven't been able to cut that funding off. Given the state of the culture, um, it, it ought to be that the Christian pulpit today should be a place that requires a maximum amount of courage to occupy. Yeah, there's no way of being faithful in this world. You can't stand up there and say, thus says the Lord and not kick idols correct they're so it's so crowded with idols that if you're actually speaking on behalf of the living god you're kicking idols and if you're not you're not preaching preaching. are you you, basically everybody uh stories told of spurgeon was like 13 steps up to his pulpit and every step he would say i believe in the holy ghost i believe in the holy ghost i believe in the holy ghost and um it there the sensation that i think preachers ought to have is what gladiators used to say to caesar we who are about to die salute you, right? Um, right. So God, here it goes. You know this, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, because how can how can you preach? How can you be in a society as wicked as this, right. and have a microphone at your disposal, and somehow not be in trouble? Yeah. Why right. why, why are right. Christians? Why do Christians have microphones in with the culture the way it is, and we're not in trouble? Right. Well, I would go back to um, the discussion about with. Um, on the way back, and that is, there are a number of valiant Christians who, in fact, are in trouble, yeah. and I, I think that's the right kind of credibility problem. Right. Mm. I was at when I was at University of Idaho. One of the classes I took was human diversity and stratification. <laughs> sounds like <laughs> yeah. sounds like a winner. Like, it was. <laughs> what were you doing in that yeah, class? Yeah. That's a that's a free three credits it right was, there. It was, <laughs> and the final. And I got at one point. So this was in our big con- one of our controversies, two thousand two, two thousand three, up on on campus. And at one point, the teacher knew I went to church. Was uh, knew it was at Christ Church, and I was connected to Logos NSA. And at one point, it's a three hour class on Wednesday evenings, and for one of the sections, the hour and a half. She said, hey, well, can we ask you questions about your church and, and community and everything? And uh, so I got up and was more than happy to. And at one point, the her mentor um, uh, got up in class and said, I hate your pastor. I hate your church. I hate NSA. I hate Logos. Just went, just went down the list. And then I just said, hey, have you ever visited? And, and he's all, no, of course not. And I just looked at the rest of the class and said, um, these are the kind of people that are lying about us in our community. They, won't even, they, they haven't even met me or right. even come to, come to my church. And the teacher got mad at me. She said, don't you ever talk to my mentor like that in front of class again. He raised his voice. I didn't. Yeah. The final in the class was beat poetry. Okay. That was the final. And, and so I did it on the man. So my beat poetry is on the man and everything. Of course, I was the man to her in that class and everything. And it was the most awkward irony silence in the whole room because everyone knew what I was doing. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. But anyways. That. So before we go, Pastor, uh, I'm not going to play the song. I want yeah, to. I'm not right. going to do it. All right. Uh, but what are you going to be preaching to enrage the culture? So um, truth. Basically, we live in. That's a, a cheap answer. <laughs> <laughs> I would say back in Eisenhower's 50s, that was a that was an easy answer then. Yeah, it's not an easy answer anymore. That, that's actually yeah. right. Yeah. What is right. true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So back back in the day, a generation ago, uh, everybody professed allegiance to the concept of truth, and they said, "Yeah, the truth is a good thing," and they said it was a good thing. But the postmodern rot, the the leprosy of relativism, has it's we're stage four. Everything we we're uh, beyond hope. Fingers are falling off. Right. And mm. and so if we stand up and we proclaim 
what Francis Schaefer used to call true truth, not yeah. uh, Colbert's truthy. truthy. <laughs> Colbert truth. <laughs> not, not Colbert truth, but yeah. Schaefer truth. Right. So things that would have been true had you or I never been born. Yeah. Right. What right. is objectively, absolutely, finally, everlastingly true? Right. God is triune. He sent his son. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Right. Those sorts of things that are truth independent of our opinions about mm -hmm. it. And so fighting for basically, this is the philosophical term for it, fighting for the correspondence view of truth as opposed to the coherence view of truth mm -hmm. and declaring it like it was true, acting as though it were true, and, and preaching it, again, straight up the middle. And man is a sinner. God, is, God sent a Savior. I, th I think we have to get back to basic... Um, ABCs of gospel preaching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just recently, I read um, J.I. Packer's introduction to the death of death. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that introduction? We yeah. read it years ago, and then I just reread it recently. Right. And just hit me between the eyes. Yeah. It's a glorious introduction to the gospel. Right. And for any, any preachers, any people out there who are wanting to become pastors, you want to know, like, tell the truth. Right. J.I. Packer's introduction to the death of death, John Owen's death of death, just that introduction, that is shotgun of gospel truth right wow. there. Man's, in yeah, that That's Man's <laughs> utter inability and God's sovereign grace. Right. Yeah. Packed yeah. together because that's it, it completely demolishes anything on our part, any goodness on our part, any ability on our part. Right. And it just points to the cross. And when sinners are confronted with their own inability, to do anything about their dilemma, about their troubles, right. about their pain. Not only are you in pain, not only are, are you suffering, but it's your fault. You're, right. you're the sinner and you can't do anything about it. Right. You're confronting there the central idol. Right. The central idol is the individual will. It's the self. Self. Right. right. And we need to kill that Amen. idol That's right. so that God will save us. Right. When's the conference? Uh, April 13th and 14th. Mm. It's offering time. Why don't you go ahead and just bring your offerings up right now, right now. <laughs> Praise God. Pastor, we just thank you so much for coming hey. to Cross Politic. Thanks for having me once again. Yeah, may the Lord God bless you real good. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. Amen. Babe, taste me how to duck. Taste me, taste me how to duck. Everybody love me. You ain't messing with my duck. I can teach you how to duck if it's Doug Wilson.